I'm Seth. And I'm Jonathan. And welcome to No Experts Allowed. You know what we love? The Bible. You know what we don't love? When people use the Bible to scare or hurt others instead of allowing it to transform them and their communities. So we're trying something different. Two Bible nerds hosting a podcast that isn't about technical details, but is about two simple questions. What's the story and what's the point? One of us will prepare for the conversation. Let's call them the non-expert. The other will respond to the story as they hear it. We'll call them, and you, the storyteller. So we can show you that you don't need to be an expert to hear the Bible speak to our world. Join us. Let's tell a good story today. Hey, Jonathan. How are you? Hey, howdy, hey, Seth. I'm doing all right. I'm glad. Glad to be with you, as always. I'm glad to be with you, too. How's Lent going for you? I thought last Lent was the Lentiest Lent that ever. Yeah, because we gave up everything yeah. for pandemic. And Lent. you know, I kind of feel now we're doing it again. I kind of feel like this is like <laughs> this is like the double Lent. Like, I was, it's mm. like it's like really, I've got to give up something oops. else. Yeah, exactly. It's like okay, <laughs> I know Lent's about more than that. That's just a joke, said I to our listeners who are giving me grief. <laughs> whatever i'm so sorry <laughs> i don't know if our i guess our question will save us i'm gonna ask you a question okay what would you do in this particular situation would you want to name your pet god or name your pet satan it's <laughs> <laughs> the dumbest question i've ever asked you on here <laughs> I think I would go with, uh, I think I'd go with Satan. <laughs> just because. This is I know a good, angry... I want to just trim that quote. Where it's just I you saying, I, I would go with Satan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would name my pet Satan because I know how annoying my dog Winnie can be at times. Actually, no, for that very reason, I'm going to change it. But I think we should I think we should normalize being able to feel angry with God and expressing that to God cuz my initial hesitation was I don't want to be annoyed with God all the time but I want that to be okay for us so I'm going to go with God my pet dog God that's what that's what if I get another dog or my next dog their their name will be God or Tina or Tina Okay. <laughs> okay. What about you? You know, I did, I did a hard pivot there. You the did. Middle. You know, I was thinking about God because it's like it offers some little, little potential moments of like prayer in the middle. You could be like, God, come here. God, stay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna go, I might go with God, though. Also, God is dog backwards. It is. But I don't know. Like, I would feel even weirder if I was, like, out of my walk. And, like, sometimes Marshall's, like, smelling something. And I have to, like, pull him. And I'm like, Marshall, come on. If I was like, Satan, come on. We have to go. <laughs> like, oh, my. <laughs> like, You'd feel comfortable doing that with God? Yeah, would, God, come on. I mean, they just think I was, like, quite religious. Maybe. I don't know. God, you pooped in the house again. 
See, I think that one that one's like a, a little bit better. Either option is terrible. Yeah, agreed. These are like bottom two on the list. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try and redeem this. I I do think it would be funny before we actually redeem this <laughs> to like also have like sweet moments with your dog Satan. I know. Be like, oh, Satan, you're, you're so, so cute. Good. <laughs> so good. Who's a good Satan? <laughs> <laughs> awesome well can i go ahead and try to pull us out of this deeper and deeper hole that we're digging for ourselves by reading our scripture today yes please do okay i will this is mark chapter 8 verses 31 to 38 from the new english translation then jesus began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and experts in the law, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He spoke openly about this. So Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But after turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're not setting your mind on God's interests, but on man's. Then Jesus called the crowd along with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wants to become my follower, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and because of the gospel will save it. For what benefit is it for a person to gain the whole world yet forfeit his life? What can a person give in exchange for his life? For if anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. All right, Seth, why'd you go with the net, the New English translation for our passage today? We've used the net Bible before. This is pretty long ago when both of our wives were on the That's right. Podcast. I remember Patty's joke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when she realized it's called the New English Translation or the Net Bible because it's only available online, which yeah. I was like, oh, I did not realize that. <laughs> so this was an attempt to redeem myself so I can like seem like I know a little bit more about the Net Bible. I appreciate just its language here, and I especially appreciate all of its footnotes. And while our listeners can't see this, this short passage that we just read, that's eight verses, there's footnotes A through Q. So it has a lot of notes about why they translated things particular ways. Um, They even have what are called sense notes, which is like kind of a suggestion about maybe how to read it, right? This is the sense that they're getting from the text. Um, So I think it's a great resource online that I just wanted to highlight again. There are a lot of footnotes. In terms of length of text, it's like three (laughs) times the footnotes to the actual scripture, which reflects a lot of good work. So cool. Besides Jesus calling Peter Satan, what else did you notice? (laughs) That felt pretty normal to me. No, I'm just kidding. I got a little more drawn into the latter part of this passage. And I think especially the last verse, you see this kind of 
reciprocal one-to-one kind of exchanges a lot throughout the Gospels. But the idea of that if anyone is ashamed of Jesus, that Jesus will be ashamed of them, that stood out to me as kind of hard to wrap my head around, hard for me to to get behind, too. Uh, Just because it seems to kind of stand in contrast to some other things that are important to me to believe about Jesus. And yet there's also this universal invitation where Jesus is inviting not just the crowd, but also his disciples. They're all around him. He says, if anyone wants to become my follower, I would understand that the disciples were already following Jesus. But the fact that he makes that distinction, kind of that step up, and invites the rest of the crowd into that consideration too. I wonder what that would have felt like for the disciples who have been journeying with him, listening to his teaching, what that would mean for them to hear that, just in the the setting of the text. And and I imagine this this type of sacrificial experience might have meant a lot to Mark's audience too, but we can get into that maybe. So those are just a couple things that stood out to me. Yeah, I particularly like the way you're talking about who who Jesus is talking to, right? Because immediately before this, when he rebukes Peter, I kind of hope, maybe that's the right way to say it, that he's just talking to Peter. I know we have this recorded, <laughs> right? Right. But yeah. he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. And yeah, then, I, hope the, right. I hope the crowd's not around and Peter's real yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I hope that's like a private thing that happens between Jesus and Peter. And then later, Jesus can turn and address this, this water That seems to be the, to the case. Crowd. That seems I mean, to be the case. It does say Peter took him aside. That's my reading. Yeah, let's hope so, for Peter's sake. <laughs> yeah. I also appreciate your point about wondering how the disciples feel about this. If you've already been following Jesus and you've you've given up your career as a fisher person, that now all of a sudden, like it's open and wider too. Like, would would you be annoyed? Would you be like, would you be glad to see that this is open to others? Would you just be sad that you, you're going to have to also take up your cross, right? It's interesting to think about how later on in the gospel, and I can't remember if this is Mark necessarily, but the language just strikes me as so similar that later on when Jesus is talking about how the disciples will, they'll, like many of them will betray him, and Peter's like, Not I'll follow me. you wherever you go, <laughs> I will die for you, and Jesus is like, nope. <laughs> there seems to be some implication that this kind of step is something that the disciples may not have been considering. Probably wasn't what they were considering at this point. Thinking of the idea of losing their lives for Jesus' sake. No, I, I think that's exactly right. That this is like this is some type of new information to them. Yeah. Right. That Peter's like so against that he rebukes Jesus for saying that Jesus will be killed, mm-hmm. right? Like it's so foreign to him. Yeah, it's like he 
the disciples have this picture of a messiah who's who's a warrior who will fight against roman domination yeah one that won't that won't be killed bodily right and this is this is literally the exact opposite of that she's like yeah i'm gonna die peter's like no you're not (laughs) (laughs) peter cracks me up like like there's got to be some some humor there. Is it? I think it's John. This is an aside, where Jesus is like, "If I if I don't wash your feet, you can't be my disciple." And then Peter's like, "Then just give me a bath, right?" Yeah. He's like, "From like, my head to my toe, give yep. me a bath." Like Peter's hilarious. Is there anything else? This feels like a relatively well-known passage to me. I don't think there's anything yeah. else standing out too much right now. To tie this into our episode last week, maybe a little bit, I was thinking about the ways people use persecution as an indication that they're actually doing, that they're actually on the right path. If they're losing their life, if they're experiencing some type of persecution, then that means they must be doing the gospel. And I just wonder if that isn't, like a misuse of this Hmm. this text like my reading is not that the persecution is the prerequisite for doing god's work but rather that god's work will inevitably result in persecution right right it's so countercultural. i think the only thing i would I, i would generally agree with you i think the only thing i'd caution us on as we consider that is considering the social location from which Jesus would have been speaking and how that would translate to us today. So if a CEO said, well, if people weren't mad at you and you're not doing it right, eh. Like, <laughs> that that to me rings really different for me from someone like Jesus saying, well, if the powers that be aren't aren't trying to find a way to kill you, then you're probably not doing it right. You know, there's this something so subversive and disruptive here. And I think that that we see translate into so many of the movements for liberation that we've seen around the world over the past couple of centuries, too. I mean, of course, the civil rights movement in the United States comes to mind, but everything from Lech Valenza in Eastern Europe to uh, to Gandhi in India and folks like Bayard Rustin and, uh, and others around around leadership in in the civil rights movement in the u.s like what made their movement so powerful is that the existing power structures fought so hard to prevent their action from disrupting the established order Mm -hmm. i I think i think you're right that I, i don't think it's you know we have to find ways to be persecuted to ensure that we're doing god's work but i do think that doing the work of liberation and doing the work of justice and doing the work of the hard work of love too will inevitably get some get some pushback from the existing power structures. Yeah, and I think I think you're exactly right. And it's it's when we start trying to find ways that we're being persecuted, right? When we're not, that it's that it's yeah. unhelpful. Like when like when people say happy holidays, for example, right? Yeah. And some, and someone or the Starbucks it. cup, isn't it the Starbucks Christmas related? 
exactly are the Starbucks cup. Like those aren't what Jesus has in mind. I don't think yeah. if I can, if I can presume to know what Jesus has in mind when he talks about taking up your cross, right? There's a categorical right. difference to me between taking up a cross and the Starbucks cup. Yeah. What's well, the difference between taking up a cross and realizing like, or really not realizing that the privilege that you've held so often when it's extended to others, it makes it makes your privilege feel like persecution. Persecution. Yeah. You know, when yeah. when rights are extended or even things that we've been talking about, like holidays are recognized, it creates this false sense of, oh, the things that I value, the things that are important to me are being lessened or cheapened. When in actuality that work is to raise those other experiences to a similar level and yeah that's not persecution that's just not (laughs) exactly so like to be a little bit uncomfortable is not persecution right what makes individual people uncomfortable is not persecution my favorite is when when christians get mad about the abbreviation xmas as oh, taking yeah. Christ out of Christmas, right. when Xmas was literally developed with the Greek letter that starts Christos, which is the the title given Christ in the Gospels and throughout the New Testament, which looks like the English letter X. Yes. <laughs> so it's like it's literally a shorthand from Jesus's name, and or at least Jesus's title in Greek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I always laugh at that because that's how I would take notes in seminary. Yeah. If I if I would want to say Jesus, I would do the X and then I would do, do an X for Jesus. You do a, a theta, a theta for, for God. For yeah, because I don't want to mm-hmm. write out God and Jesus every single time. So I just laugh when people are like, "This I'm being persecuted. I can't even write Chris, Christmas anymore. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, you should see my notes from seminary. Well, <laughs> beyond that aside, I think I think you bring up something, something important though. It's like what... At what point is the resistance we may experience as a result of following Jesus? At what point does that reach persecution? And how do we how do we go about following Jesus based on this invitation without just seeking our own persecution? You know, I think yeah. that's yeah. I think that's problematic like, too. Yeah, how do we how do we not see our persecution as like our own glorification? One th- while we're thinking about that, let me also add one one more thing. Mm-hmm. I also think that this text can be used as a bludgeon for people who are already struggling. When we talk mm-hmm. about denying ourselves to people who are already have very little, I just think that's not a helpful use of this text, not the way that jesus is meaning it right it's not okay if you already don't have a lot give it give it up anyway right right that's not jesus audience then right or his intended audience then and it's not his intended audience now that's to misuse this passage yeah Uh, honestly like there are so many ways that the privileged and the powerful can honestly embrace this text as kind of this voyeuristic exploration into the world of suffering and poverty that they have no actual experience of yeah and be like yeah. that's what it's all about while still maintaining their privilege and power it's like how are we going to explore 
explore the idea of this, idealize those experiences that actually translate to human suffering and say, like, you're the real heroes. heroes. You're the... Yeah. It's like yeah. talking about essential workers right now that are, you know, have been putting their lives on the line for over a year. Grocery store workers or people who work in pharmacies and are like, I didn't ask for this. And if I'm so essential and important, like, why can I still not afford to pay my rent and my bills with the money that I'm making from this job that's so dangerous to me? The, the, again, the glorification of suffering leads to more suffering, unnecessary mm-hmm. suffering. And exactly. I think that is, just as you're identifying a gross misuse and abuse of these kinds of passages. I wonder, I don't know, I'm just thinking out loud, if the line that Jesus says to Peter, you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but on people's. Like mm. if that, if that isn't like maybe part of the way, part of the hermeneutical key, the way out of using this text inappropriately. Like when we think about people suffering in terms of, of like their, their paycheck, right? That's, yeah. That's like a, a way that people suffer. And that, like that's an inappropriate way. Hmm. This text has a rich history of being used inappropriately, which we've talked about. And I feel like right now we're wrestling with how we can redeem it. Yeah. Like how, how maybe I shouldn't use the word redeem, how we can use it appropriately. Sure. What do you think? Do you have any ideas? Yeah, I'm wondering if what we can give up isn't our, isn't what is life sustaining, but the ways that we can give up our own power and privilege and our titles. Hmm. It's immediately before this passage that Peter correctly identifies Jesus as the Messiah. He, right. u- he uses that title, and I just wonder if that's, if it's that, if it's the title that Jesus is talking about, like stripping and the power that comes with it, and all the, all the privilege that comes with. Position. Hmm. I think after this passage, the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest. So it just feels like they're really missing the boat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is a wild ride for Peter. I was just thinking about this earlier. He correctly identifies Jesus as the Messiah. Then he rebukes Jesus. Then Jesus tells him to get behind me, Satan. Then they argue about who's the best disciple. And then he's on Mount Tabor for the transfiguration. Like, what a wild ride for Peter. Oh, man. And then, I was like, and as we know, on the Transfiguration, he gets to see Jesus, Elijah, and Moses, and then he also blurts out dumb ideas like building memorials. So it's like quite a yeah. There's clearly something throughout it that the disciples, especially Peter, are not they're not getting. And I think I think you're right for for those of us that have the opportunity to think about power and prestige or position we need to consider what what this means for our lived experience 
But at the same time, I don't know that the loss of life that's talked about here is is literal. Yeah, I think I think that's just the that's the big lingering question for me, honestly, is if we're talking in a literal sense, I think I have some more challenges. We might need to record another episode or two about this. But <laughs> if we're talking about losing, like setting aside not our own needs, but our own interests for the interests of God, for the interests of our community, that to me feels like losing your life because of God because of the good news mm-hmm. and instead of just talking this talking to this about being a martyr and then being resurrected in eternal life maybe instead this is an opportunity for us to consider about the way to the flourishing abundant life that jesus offers us now that by setting aside those interests we can begin to see where the spirit is at work and unlock something new and creative and full of life in the midst of our current lived experience that gives us a taste of what's to come Hmm. it's interesting to think about what we might have to give up to to Mm -hmm. see that right yeah i also i think reading this is giving up our power and privilege and titles prevents this from being misused against people who are already suffering who yeah. might be able to see things that we don't see, right? Because our, mm-hmm. our privilege so obviously blinds us from it. Yeah. I think this reading that we're talking about is very much related to our our own social location. And I think those from a different social location can approach this text and take something from it very differently. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we can be bound together in this call from Jesus to take, take up our cross, whatever that is, and 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 follow uh, even if our crosses might look a little different agreed that's an, that's an interesting point too maybe we'll end on that thinking about that the crosses that we each bear will look different from one another right and will look mm. different from from jesus literal cross yeah some of the best hermeneutical advice i've ever gotten if you can call it that is that the things that we choose have the best opportunity to be vantage points and the things that we don't choose about ourselves have the biggest potential to be blinders. And Mm. I keep thinking about this in relation to this passage, right? Yeah. I can't, things that I don't choose about myself, like I think blinding me, I'm especially cognizant of the ways that they're blinding me from seeing how people might read this from, from the underside. Yeah. With that, will you pray with me? I'd love to. Jesus the Messiah, you're not the conqueror the disciples expected. Rather than bucking the shackles of Rome, you take up your cross and defeat the powers of darkness through your own death rather than military defeat. Help us join your life-giving mission by working for restoration, no matter the cost. Amen. Amen. To our listeners, thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe and tune in for our next episode. Jonathan, what story are we telling next week? Next week, 
We're jumping over to the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 to 22, looking at Jesus clearing out the temple. But until then, leave us a review and find us on Twitter and Instagram to continue the conversation. Thanks for walking us through that story, Seth. Thanks for helping me tell it. <laughs>